Heart Journal Case Reports 2020. I'm Dr Jenny Han, podcast editor. Today, I'll be talking about a case report by Carlos Real, David Vivas, Isaac Martinez, Federico Ferrando Casagneto, Julio Rena, Angel Nava Munoz, Javier Serrano, and Isidro Villacosta from the Hospital Clinico Universitario San Carlos, Madrid, Spain, titled Endovascular Treatment of Coronary Subclavian Steel Syndrome, a case series highlighting the diagnostic usefulness of a multimodality imaging approach. CSSS, Coronary Subclavian Steel Syndrome, is an uncommon complication observed in patients after cabbage with lemur, left internal mammary artery, grafts due to subclavian artery stenosis. The first two cases describe CSSS presenting with myocardial ischemia, and the third case describes asymptomatic CSSS. This case series highlights the utility of multimodality imaging, including Doppler ultrasound, myocardial perfusion scintigraphy, and CT in the diagnosis of CSSS, and endovascular repair in the treatment. Case 1. A 61-year-old female presented with new-onset unstable angina. She had a background of heterozygous familial hypercholesterolemia, carotid artery stenosis, and cabbage three years previously, with lemma to the LAD, left anterior descending artery, a sequential rema, right internal mammary artery, from lemma to a ramus intermedius branch and left marginal artery. Physical examination showed weak pulses in the left arm and the left supraclavicular bruit. ECG showed extensive ST segment depression, but echocardiogram did not show any segmental wall motion abnormalities. During vasodilated stress, she had chest pain without ST segment changes. Technetium 99M MIBI-gated SPECT showed a reversible hyperperfusion defect in the anterior wall, upper septum, and apex, and left ventricular ejection fraction dropped from 70% to 47%. Chest CT angiogram showed an extensively calcified ascending aorta, significant stenosis of both common carotid arteries and severe left subclavian artery stenosis. Endovascular subclavian artery repair was performed from the right femoral and left axillary approach, using pre-dietation with Mustang balloons, followed by deployment of a balloon-expandable endoprosthesis across the stenosis. There were no periprocedural complications, and post-procedural angiography and chest CT angiogram showed optimal dilation of the subclavian artery, with patency of lemur and vertebral artery. She was discharged with dual antiplatelet therapy, aspirin and ticagrelor, and has remained well and asymptomatic in five months of follow-up. Case 2. A 72-year-old male presented to the emergency department with prolonged chest pain. He had a background of type 2 diabetes and chronic kidney disease. He underwent stent implantation in the left iliac artery seven years before, drug-looting stent implantation in the left circumflex artery for chronic coronary artery disease 14 years before, a further stent in the right coronary artery four years before, and cabbage five months before this presentation, with lemur to the LAD and a saphenous vein graft from lemur to the left marginal artery. Physical examination was normal. Serial ECGs did not show any ST segment or T-wave changes. Elevated high-sensitivity troponin T confirmed the diagnosis of NSTEMI, Coronary angiogram showed retrograde flow in both grafts and a 50 mm of mercury pressure gradient across a proximal segment of the left subclavian artery. Endovascular subclavian artery repair was performed, this time through the left brachial artery, using a balloon expandable endoprosthesis in the stenotic lesion 
followed by post-dilatation with a Mustang balloon. There were no periprocedural complications, and post-procedural angiography was satisfactory, and he was discharged with dual antiplatelet therapy with aspirin and clopidogrel, and has remained asymptomatic in six months of follow-up. Case 3. On a follow-up appointment, a 76-year-old male was found to have no pulses in the left arm. He was asymptomatic and other limb pulses were normal. There was a difference in systolic blood pressure between arms, with 170 millimetres of mercury on the right and 132 millimetres of mercury on the left. He had a background of hypertension, left internal carotid artery stenosis, treated with endarterectomy three years before, and cabbage one year before, involving lemur to the LAD and rema to a marginal artery. Doppler ultrasound found retrograde flow in the left vertebral artery. Chest CT angiogram showed an 80% left subclavian artery stenosis. Endovascular subclavian artery repair was performed as the patient was deemed likely to develop symptomatic ischemic disease. This involved pre-dilatation with a Mustang balloon and implantation of a balloon expandable stent. After the procedure, the blood pressure index normalised from 0.78 to 0.98. Chest CT angiogram confirmed no stenosis in the subclavian artery and he was discharged home with aspirin and clopidogrel, with clopidogrel being withdrawn six weeks later. Discussion In order to discuss the series of three cases, I will first provide an overview of CSSS. This is a severe and rare complication observed in patients after cabbage with lemur grafting. Lemur is the most frequently used graft for cabbage, where it arises from the left subclavian artery and is attached to the stenotic coronary artery. CSSS occurs when severe left subclavian artery stenosis proximal to the origin of lima reverses blood flow from the lima graft to the left subclavian artery, leading to myocardial ischemia. The normal incidence of subclavian artery stenosis is only 2% in the general population, rising to 7% in patients with peripheral artery disease, and yet further to 11.8% in patients with peripheral artery disease and a previous cabbage. All three cases here fell into this last group, where the high incidence of subclavian artery stenosis should give a high index of suspicion for CSSS. A previous case series of 37 patients had reported that the most common presentation of CSSS is stable angina. However, that case series, and these three cases here, show that the clinical presentation of CSSS can range from asymptomatic disease to myocardial infarction, making diagnosis difficult. Clinical signs which would arouse suspicion include weak or no pulses in the left arm, proximal subclavian bruit, and an interarm blood pressure difference of at least 15 millimetres of mercury, signs which were seen in cases 1 and 3. A number of non-invasive investigations can be used in the diagnosis of subclavian artery stenosis and CSSS. European Society of Cardiology guidelines currently recommend the modalities of Doppler ultrasound CT angiogram or magnetic resonance angiogram if subclavian artery stenosis is clinically expected. Doppler ultrasound can demonstrate high velocity flows indicating over 50% stenosis, reverse flow in lemur indicating CSSS, and reverse flow in the vertebral artery indicating over 70% stenosis and subclavian steel syndrome. CT angiogram is useful estimating stenosis severity and has both a high sensitivity of 90% and a high specificity of 96% in the diagnosis of over 50% luminal stenosis. Guidelines currently do not include myocardial perfusion scintigraphy, 
which was performed in the first case. For that patient, it was able to show reversible hyperperfusion with vasodilator stress, suggestive of ischemia in CSSS. The exact role of this will need to be investigated further, as there are currently very few reports of this technique in the diagnosis of CSSS. Angiography is the gold standard diagnostic investigation. Coronary angiography can show retrograde opacification of the lemograft, suggestive of CSSS, as seen in cases 1 and 2. Left subclavian artery angiography demonstrating difficult catheterization with a pressure gradient of over 10 mm mercury is suggestive of stenosis. For the treatment of symptomatic subclavian artery stenosis, current European guidelines recommend either endovascular repair with stenting or balloon angioplasty, or open surgery through subclavian carotid transposition, carotid subclavian bypass grafting, or extrathoracic bypass procedures. The endovascular option is often the default, as seen in this case series, though open repair is associated with higher long-term patency at five years. However, there are no randomised trials comparing stenting and open surgery, and guidelines currently recommend that the decision is carried out through assessment of the lesion and patient risk. In patients with asymptomatic left proximal subclavian artery stenosis, revascularization should be considered in two cases. One, if they're undergoing cabbage using lemur, and two, if they already have a lemur graft in cabbage with evidence of myocardial ischemia. The third patient in this case series did not fully meet these criteria, as there was no evidence of myocardial ischemia, but the clinical team carried out revascularization as they deemed the risk of developing this to be high. The author's use of myocardial perfusion scintigraphy may be useful to show ischemia for these patients. In conclusion, the authors have highlighted the following learning points. A high index of clinical suspicion of CSSS in patients with cabbage and severe peripheral artery disease presenting with myocardial ischemia should be maintained. A multimodality imaging approach is recommended to clarify this challenging diagnosis. This case series supports the safety and utility of endovascular treatment with balloon expandable stents in patients with CSSS. Thank you to the authors of this case report for highlighting this fascinating case for us. And thank you for listening to European Heart Journal Case Reports podcasts. References used to create this podcast and the original case report are available online. Visit academic.oup.com forward slash EHJCR for other interesting case reports. Music is Computer by State Shirt.